Good afternoon, everybody. Uneducated economist here. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I am out here every day on this channel trying to put out economic videos, trying to come up with new ideas, new videos to try and keep things really fresh for you guys, to try and keep you up to date on some of the things that are taking place. And, you know, I have a tendency to forget that a lot of people are trying to pick this up for the very first time. Like, they have no idea how the monetary system works. They have no clue about the Federal Reserve or Fed funds rate or how it is that the bond rates are affecting like mortgage rates and stuff like that. It is really complicated to try and wrap your head around all this stuff. And there is still like a lot of people out there who are really kind of clueless and they're trying to get clued in. And that's what a lot of this channel was about, was trying to help people understand how the monetary system works or maybe even some of the transitions that are taking place from not only the gold standard into fiat currency but then the transitions that take place just within the monetary policies themselves very much like how the federal reserve establishes the fed funds rates and how it went from a limited reserve system to an abundant reserve system and many people trying to wrap their heads around this just get so confused so quickly over the whole matter another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's really what I've been trying to clarify for people is how this system works and what it is that has taken place within the monetary policies that has you concerned about the future and what it is that you can do about it. Like a lot of people say, well, the Fed's going to lift interest rates and they're going to cause a recession. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, man, this is going to be damaging to everybody out there. But if you're understanding on how that's going to take place and what the recession is going to look like, well, then you can position yourself to do quite well, even during a downturn or an economic recession that's happening. You can come out of the other side of that much better than when you went in, so long as you understand what it is that's taking place and how to position yourself for the best advantages you can. And so when a lot of people think about the recessions, they think about the great financial crisis. And now we have to understand the great financial crisis isn't your typical recession. I mean, it was a freezing of the financial markets that had taken place due to a bunch of what they referred to as toxic assets that were in the monetary system, that were in the banking system. And so that's a really complicated kind of subject to, to try and wrap your head around for the very first time. But to try and explain things a little easier for people is to try and understand that what was taking place during the great financial crisis is not even remotely close to what's happening today.
right? So when you hear people referring to this recession or how this is going to be compared to the great financial crisis, it's not, it's not even the same thing. So during the great financial crisis, the real main problem that took place is that we had what they referred to as toxic assets in the banking system. And these were mortgage-backed securities that had never or should have never come into existence. And so pretty much what happened was is that a lot of mortgages were being written to people who really shouldn't have gotten those mortgages. They didn't have a job verification. They didn't have maybe enough income to begin with. They didn't have like appropriate credit scores, something that would typically not allow them to have a mortgage today was being allowed back prior to the great financial crisis. So all these people who really shouldn't have gotten mortgages got a lot of mortgages. And what happens is, is that the people who write these mortgages eventually sell them to individuals who package them up. And this is really where I think a lot of people kind of lose touch with what happens in the mortgage market is that that mortgage-backed security, which is a combination of a bunch of mortgages that have been put into an investment that an investor can buy, that combination of, of mortgages called the mortgage-backed security, those things had turned toxic because they were so full of mortgages that from people who shouldn't have gotten those mortgages that the moment that we had an economic downturn or a business cycle reversal, they were not able to afford to make those payments. And as they stopped making those payments, those investments, those mortgage-backed securities had pretty much stopped paying and then turned into what they refer to as a toxic asset. And so these mortgages were sitting on these big banks' balance sheet. And this is really where the problem started to, to really present itself is that as these mortgages started turning toxic, the big banks started freezing up because of all these assets that were no longer a viable asset. So if you can imagine you have a balance sheet with liabilities and assets on it, the assets started falling below the liabilities and it caused the credit ratings of these banks to get that much worse. And then the problem with lending to each other started you know, freezing up and that's where their major problems started taking place. Now it showed itself in the money market accounts and that's an even entirely different story, but it started from those toxic assets, those mortgage-backed securities that should never have taken place in the first, you know, it should never have existed in the first place. So that's really where the major problem for the great financial crisis came in, is that as people stopped making those payments, those mortgage-backed securities turned toxic and then the banking system started to freeze up from that. What we have now going on is something very different when it comes to those mortgage-backed securities. Because the mortgage-backed securities that are in the system now are not even remotely close to being toxic, right? See, we have much higher credit uh, standards or lending standards that are required in order to get a loan nowadays that the mortgages that are in the system are all fairly viable mortgages, meaning that the people are more, most likely gonna be making those payments. Let me turn my light on there. And so when you have people who are more likely to make those payments on them, then you're not gonna have as many toxic mortgage-backed securities in the market. If you don't have all those toxic mortgage-backed securities in the market, then those mortgage-backed securities actually have value to them, okay? So if they have value to them, that means that they're paying. And if they're paying, they eventually find an investor out there who's willing to buy that investment because you think about it, most people will make their mortgage payment. So these mortgage-backed securities are a fairly decent fixed income that an investor can buy. And if they're not full of toxic mortgages, then they're a much more vi val 
<laughs> viable loan. There we go. Sorry, I have a hard time speaking sometimes. So with you have when you have these viable loans inside of these mortgage-backed securities, it's not going to crash in the same sense that the great financial crisis had taken place. As people lost their jobs, they immediately gave up on their mortgages. Well, nowadays we have it much different as the mortgages that were written like a year ago or early or before have very low interest attached to them. And that is very valuable to those who have taken out a mortgage prior to a year from now, right? Because over the last year, the interest rates have really gone up. So now we have to think how many toxic mortgages are in the system, or even if we have interest rates rise, how likely are we going to find that those mortgages are going to be easily just dumped into the system as the people are not willing to hold on to those homes? I mean, that is not as likely of a story taking place this time around. See, this is something that a lot of people really have to wrap their heads around in order to understand why this housing market is not the same as it was during the great financial crisis. Now, the other thing that was taking place during the great financial crisis is there was a huge home build taking place. Lots and lots and lots and lots of new construction was happening. And so that brought in a lot of inventory of new homes coming onto the market. We don't see that same thing happening this time around. In fact, there is less homes being built now than just about any time. Less, you know, permits being issued, less starts. Everything is showing that there is less economic activity taking place within the new construction market than just about any time. I mean, now granted, there was times where there was a lot more activity and there was times when there was less. But for the most part, it's not exactly a high demand new construction market taking place right now. Even though we have new, the new construction market having the best ability to start right now than just about any time in history. I mean, at least over the last, you know, two, three years. Because lumber prices had moved up so much, the new cost uh, or the cost of new construction had gone up like exponentially. It was impossible to buy an, or build a new house as cheap as you could buy an existing one during the times when the lumber was running up as high as it did. Well, now we have lumber coming back down to what would be considered a very normal price. I mean, we have like I think the futures were at 363 per thousand and if you think about it at 1650 per thousand I mean we're like 13,000 per thousand under its all-time high I mean lumber has crashed for the most part and now I'm also seeing it happen in plywood as well so the plywood prices have moved from $30 a sheet on a half inch five ply CDX down to I think it was $26 today I mean $26 is a price that I had sold plywood for like five, six, seven years ago, right? Those prices had been hit at one time. And although they are high on a historical average, the plywood prices at 26, because normally they would be around 18 to 20, 22 maybe, that's still way better than the $80 a sheet that it once was. So framing a new house right now is cheaper than just about any time that you have ever had in the last few years. I mean, two, three, maybe even four or five years. Lumber right now, just the framing lumber, not necessarily doors and windows and siding and all the rest of the stuff that goes into building a house, but just the framing component of it has dropped dramatically in price. And right now, you're even finding where people are building homes cheaper than what they can buy a home out there for. So new construction is not necessarily going to bring inventory onto the market, even though the new construction does exist now. Most likely, it's going right to home buyers, right to homeowners or private 
what I say, custom home builds, right? So these things will never make it to market. And that's where I have a feeling is taking place with a lot of the new construction market right now. As the demand for homes is still there, I mean, people need a place to live and they just can't hold off forever. They may find that they are going to pay for the home that they want. Like every bit of it is going to be custom to them for what they want and suit their purposes. And they're willing to pay the price for that. And that's what we're, I believe we are experiencing right now within the housing market. So granted, yes, prices are coming down and they will come down probably a lot considering how far up the, the house prices have moved. I mean, just even using my own home that I had purchased a year ago, uh, one year and a little over two months, like about two months now that I've had this home. And in the course of the year, the house has gone up better than $100,000 in one year. Right now, I don't want to tell you like how much the house was and everything else because, you know, I don't want people figuring out where I live. Not that it would be too hard to figure out. But the fact is, is that it's moved up over a hundred grand in one year. Well, the price of the house on the Zillow estimate dropped like a lot, like $20,000 from its all time high. It's still $80,000, even better than $80,000 more than what I had paid for it a year ago, a little over a year ago with a $25,000 drop. It was like 23 something that I had dropped on the Zillow estimate. So when people look and say like, look at these house prices drop, I mean, that's a significant number. $23,000 has come off the price tag of this thing. It's like 5%, right? It could even be 10% or 20% or 25%. It's still not gonna bring down the value of the house to the point that I would go underwater. That is the major difference that I think a lot of people are not putting into their heads when they think about like what's happening with house prices. Even over the course of the last year, we did see prices move up. Now, granted, they did not move up at the pace that they once did, but in a lot of cases, the house prices did move up. Yes, there are some areas that are finding some house price drops, but they're from an all-time high. Think about that. If I told you that lumber had dropped 50% from its all-time high of $16.50 per thousand and told you now that it's selling for $800 per thousand, that is still an incredibly high-priced lumber price, right? I mean, that's lumber futures at their all-time high if it was at $800 per thousand. Like, I mean, that wouldn't be at its all-time high, but that would be considered like extremely high price. $400 per thousand, $500 per thousand, that's average, right? But you could have taken 50% out of the all-time high and still would have been extremely high on lumber futures. Take out another 50% and we hit average, 400 per thousand. So that's the type of comparison that I would like for people to kind of keep in their mind when they look at the house prices falling, is that you had prices move up incredibly high. And even though they backed off, they need to back off dramatically in order to get back to the level that it once was before the major increases had taken place. Very few homes were sold over the last couple of years. Think about that. How many homes were actually sold at those high prices? I mean, yeah, I bought one of them. Granted, I mean, I will admit that to everybody out there that I didn't want to buy at the time that I did. The price of the home or the Zillow estimate did nothing but go up the entire time. It's still up above what I paid for it. Okay, so think about this. How many homes have been sold over the last couple of years? Very few, right? How many homes were sold with high interest rates? Even less. 
So when you have a housing market downturn, when you hear about this, is it going to be with people who are going underwater on their homes? Well, I'm still not there yet. And I bought my house less than a year or a little over a year ago, right? Still isn't underwater. So it's not those people who are looking, you know, who are going to be bringing the inventory on. Is it people who are not like willing to buy at this price? Well, take a look out there. Homes still sell. Think about some of the institutional buyers out there. Yeah, there's institutional buyers out there who are dumping houses out, but there's a lot of institutional buyers out there who are buying at a discounted price. Think about that, right? There's people out there who had deals on houses. They don't want those deals anymore, but then there's other people out there who are buying blocks of houses, getting a discount for buying bulk and front running all the customers out there who thought that they were going to get a discount on a house. Now they have to rent from those people. This is the type of stuff that's happening within the housing market. A lot of people are just saying, hey, man, there's going to be a huge price and you screwed yourself by buying a house back in the day. Really? I mean, I don't see a whole lot of people out there jumping at buying a home right now. How long are you going to wait? How far are prices going to go? How much competition are you going to have when you go to start buying a home with everybody else also trying to buy a home? It's a very interesting time to think about right now. Look at the lumber future prices. They're in the toilet right now. That is not a lot of demand for new inventory. Okay, so again, I have to think like what's taking place with the new construction market and who's moving into that new construction. These are custom home builds that, can ha that are happening right now. All right, uneducated economist, you let me know.